What is the key to success? What is the key to navigating the unknown? What is the key to a great mindset? Where do we get our hands on that key? Be it business, real estate trends, design ideas, parenting, gratitude, I wanna share conversations with local business owners, leaders, teachers, and designers, where we can get real in a casual, comfortable space. Welcome to The Key. Akia Red makes mental health awareness her mission because for Akia, it's personal. In early 2016, Akia was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Terrified and ashamed, the mother of two hid her condition from the world, but she quickly realized it was only getting worse. Her GAD combined with her history of depression and past eating disorder affected her both mentally and physically, culminating in a full-blown nervous breakdown. It wasn't until she acknowledged the situation with her loved ones and sought treatment from her therapist and doctor that things finally started to get better. As a form of self-expression and healing, Akia created her own blog, sharing her feelings about mental health and authenticity. The support she received from the community compelled her to create an online space to empower and equip women with the necessary tools to use their voices and become their best, most authentic selves. Akia uses her own life experience and mental health disorder to help women find their voice and let it out. And most importantly, to let women and girls who are suffering, struggling, and stressed know that they are not alone. She is the author of Be Free, Be You, Authentic You, A Girl's Guide to Growing Up Fearless and True, and The Precipice of Mental Health, Becoming Your Own Safe Space. Akia, welcome to the key. It's like you're supposed to be here. Well, I know because you know my friends call me keys. I know. I was like, so oh my gosh. So this is just like a natural fit. It's so great. It's yeah, wonderful. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I just feel, um, you know, personally, um, as a mom of two, and you know, having a career and a marriage, you know, there's a lot that we're all balancing, and then coming yeah. out of a pandemic, you know, this this conversation isn't happening enough. So I'm so proud of what you're doing. Thank I you. feel really fortunate that we're in the same city because we're, <laughs> everybody's going to benefit from you and, and what you're doing. So I feel really lucky about that. But let's just jump in. I want, you know, I, I obviously super candid. You, you talk about how far you want to go. Yeah, um, fine. I don't want to. Yeah. But, um, you know, your personal journey, your latest book, let's talk about, you know, how how did you, like when you say you started this blog after you had gone through all of this, like yeah. how did you find the courage and confidence to start sharing that? Because I think often we, that's the step we all miss, yeah. right? So like, was that, was it just like therapeutic for you? How did you start going down that road? That's actually like a really good question. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think in general, I've always been, you know, pretty open and, um, vulnerability um, and sharing my feelings has never been um, hard. I think that you know, hiding them has been harder for me. Yeah. And so that's why I think I've become really good at it, hiding because that was what I was taught I needed to do. So when I was going through all of this back in 2016, initially, you know, I wasn't on social media at the time. So I wasn't, you know, aware of communities and things like that. And really I just wanted a community mm -hmm. like I, I really just wanted to build a community of strong women um, that are going through the, some of the similar things and you know basically we get strength from each other and I think that even though I never saw myself as an entrepreneur 
there's this entrepreneurial side of me that said, okay, well, if I can't find it, then I'm just going to create it. And, you know, what I say to entrepreneurs when I'm talking to them about, you know, when they want to start something, I'm like, you take a place or an area in your life that has created you the most hassle, pain, and you figure out how to make it possible for everybody else. And that's how you can, you know, come into being passionate about what you do. So I think that that was probably what thrusted me into the career of of blogging mm-hmm. um, and, you know, sharing was was pretty easy because I was just going into who I have always been. Yeah, that's so that's really cool. And, you know, it's interesting um, that talking with entrepreneurs, the struggle and the pain points are truly like where all the answers are. Yeah. But I feel like we now society, we're like trying to avoid struggle and pain points. You know, yeah. it's like it's OK. Like there's so much learning in those moments, right? It's like yeah. that's where the gold is. You just have to <sighs> yeah. breathe through it. Like what you just did. Like yeah. you just breathe through it. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, you know, and people, you know, in society right now, they use the, the term snowflake, you know, very hashtag like. <laughs> <laughs> that's my way of saying like overused, you know, I mean, uh-huh. you hear that term a lot to describe um a generation uh, or group of kids that are, you know, not being taught the importance of resilience and learning to figure out how to work through um, their pain. And I think that, you know, with me, this has been a very, a very tricky fine line to navigate because being an advocate for mental health and you know, also being a a patient, right? Like, I mean, this is a, a struggle for me every day. And then having kids that have their own struggles and advocating for the world. And then also, you know, in certain spaces, having to advocate for my kids. But there's also responsibility that aside from the advocate, there's this responsibility that I have to my children as their mom. Mm -hmm. To where, like, I do have to help them build character and build resilience. And so it's like that balance of trying to figure out, okay, how do I advocate and prioritize your mental health and get you the resources and the help that you need at the same time, helping you find your voice Mm -hmm. on your own without my help. And so that's always been really tricky. I haven't figured it out. I think that if I do figure it out, that would be what would create a fourth book. I was just going to say, that's your next book. (laughs) Right. Right. And I'm supposed to be on a hiatus, which I am very happy about, but I tell you, I mean, those are the types of things that I still am, am learning. And and I, to be honest, I don't know if there is, you know, a a right answer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we do the best that we can with what we have at that time. But I do know that resilience for this generation um, it's something that that has to be, you know, shown in a way or taught to them because everything isn't going to always be perfect. Yeah. And we can't eliminate struggle because if we eliminate struggle, then we eliminate all of the goodness that comes from struggle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it um, it brings to me, uh, I know, so I have done some work recently with high school girls in coaching and, you know, it was really eye-opening to me to see, you know, the pressures that they're under, um, the pressures they put on themselves. And then you add, you know, like elite athletics on top of that. And it's a lot. And so, 
you know, talk to me a little bit about what you've done, you know, with girls and like finding their voice, but more so like when I think of this really awesome group of girls, you know, embracing that struggle and how do they, how do they change sort of that inner voice? How do they work on their inner voice? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, I'm still working on my inner voice, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a constant work in progress. Um, I think the beauty for them being younger, that they're going to, you know, be in a much better place than I am right now because they would have had all these years, you know, practicing it. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily know if we ever get to that place Mm -hmm. where, you know, we get it all figured out. I just think that we work towards it and we're like better every day. Yeah. Well, you said the word practice. It is a practice. No, it truly, it truly Mm -hmm. is a practice. And it also is a choice to show up that way. Right. And to, you know, decide to, to move through life, um, in that way, you know, I, um, out of the three books that I wrote, like I, each one of them, I think was, a specific time in my life and a specific um, thing, if you will, that I was um, trying to work on in therapy. And so with the second book, um, Authentic You, that was a book that I wrote uh, for girls that are 12 to 17 years old. And really it came about because in therapy at that time, I was working through inner child work. And I know that sounds really foo-foo to people when I say that without like making, you know, some kind of explanation, but like all of us basically have a kid inside of us Mm -hmm. and that kid was either loved on and attuned to and, you know, got what it needed or that kid wasn't. Mm -hmm. And for me, the little Akia um, wasn't loved in a way that I felt it or attuned to. And so... There were just these ideas that I had about what it was to be a woman and what it was about, you know, sex and, you know, mental health and my body image and just all of that. And I just took all of what I would have wanted somebody to talk to me about when I was 12 to 17. Mm -hmm. And I just wrote it, you know, wrote it down. And um, what I've heard is that, you know, the young girls that read it, they they find so much like plain English, right? Layman's terms that they can identify with. And, you know, working through all of this stuff with my daughter, who's 11, but also my son who is um, be 15. So it's goes both for males and females. Yeah. And um, I just constantly find myself doing that work all the time with them and, and teaching them like, Every day is not going to be great. And that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Because you have the choice to move through it. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. So like I've told them, you know, several times and I I talk to people about, you know, when they say choose to be happy. I'm like, that is incorrect. And it's very (laughs) damaging when you say that to someone. Okay. I said, but this is a way I understand where you're coming from, but this is a better way to phrase it. You know, I necessarily cannot choose to be happy when my chemicals in my brain are telling me otherwise Mm -hmm. right but what I can do is even though my brain is telling me one thing I can choose to do the opposite and I said that's where the choice comes in that's where the resilience comes in yeah and so it's really a matter of it's not a matter of not having the anxiety and not having the depression or any other diagnosis it's more so about teaching them how to move through it Mm -hmm. 
and have it, but not let it become your identity yeah. and not let it define you. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. I, um, I heard from a therapist, um, you know, anxiety isn't something that like you're going to cure, right? Like there's not an end to it. And right. so the goal is obviously people can be on the spectrum of where, you know, how yeah, intense it is. For sure. Um, but to learn from yourself how you pick up, how you pick it up and take it with you and yeah. manage it. Like you yeah. manage it. Yeah. You manage it. I mean, it's been what's it since 2016 that I was diagnosed. You know, what's really interesting. I actually said this last night at this event and people just like, they, they couldn't, they had to catch their breath cause they were just like, Oh my gosh. But what we know is that from actual um, onset of symptoms to diagnosis, it is somewhere between 11 to 15 years. And so that's, yeah, I mean, oh my it's, gosh. yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable statistic and research has shown it to be true that, and I, and if I had to put a timeline on when my symptoms set, uh, you know, or I had one set of my symptoms, I think I was about 12 yeah. and I didn't get diagnosed until 2016. So, I mean, you it, go figure. Yeah. So, and then if you want to go into like eating disorder, body image issues, which is in a, a whole nother sector mm-hmm. of mental health care, it took me three extra years to get the correct diagnosis for that because the criteria that is used to um, diagnose needs to be changed even within that. And so um, I just, I think that, you know, we have to teach our kids, you know, okay, yes, you're going to have these feelings. Yes. You're going to have these emotions. I think one of the best things that a parent could do honestly is go to Google or somewhere and print off a feelings will Oh yeah. and get it laminated. And when your child teenager is having like, you know, and they may feel like it is so corny, but in the opportune time, you know, ask them to look at that and describe how they're feeling. Because if we give it a name, if we call it something, it makes it so much easier to manage rather than this like ethereal thing, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, this is, I don't know. You, if you give it a name, yeah. It makes it so much easier to manage, like you said, right. you need and to just words. move through it. And you need the words. You need the words, yeah. It's funny. Um, so I often, with one of my kids, uh, get the answer, I'm just tired. Mm. And I'm like, I know it's not tired. And you hear it enough and you're like, okay, I could, I could just be like, oh, he's just tired. He's not tired. He's yeah. using that word to stop the conversation. Yeah. And so through therapy, you know, I'm trying to get him to understand that, this is why we're here to expand your vocabulary, to understand what you're feeling and be able to, to communicate it. Like yeah. we, you have to be able to yeah. in this, in your world, whatever your world is going to look like as you grow into an yes. adult, right? Like you need words Yes. and to know what that means. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that. That's yeah. so, oh my gosh, I could talk to you for like five hours. <laughs> Um, All right. So I want to ask you, so Simon Sinek is an author I love. I don't know if you've read him, but um, I've, I've often asked people, you know, what is your why? And, you know, what he describes is your why is, you know, your purpose, but the compelling higher purpose that inspires us and acts as the source of all we do. What do you feel like, and maybe you're starting to identify this path that you're on. What do you feel like you're why is as it relates to what you're doing for mental health? Um, 
I just want to I want to make the world a better place when it comes to the mental health stigma and the health care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are so many moving pieces to that. I think that I want to get us to a place where we intervene earlier and we kind of go into the prevention space mm-hmm. as opposed to crisis management. Because once you get into the crisis management, I mean, you have to be pretty darn resilient to get through that. Yeah. And I've I've overcome it and I've, you know, and I I understand how to navigate through that, but not everybody is the same. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if, you know, looking at everything that I've been doing, I want to keep young people, adults from getting into the crisis point. I want to my why is to yes, remove the stigma. Obviously, get accessibility, you know, for marginalized people, groups of people and kind of make it fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But, you know, I think the deeper why behind that is just the fact that like if we have people who are walking around society that are whole whole people and that are not hurting then it'll be less likely that they'll go and they'll hurt the next generation so everything that I'm doing is like building a foundation for generations to come that will not operate out of past down trauma yeah yeah that is awesome I'm championing you along this whole way. We, <laughs> I mean, you. we do. We need you. And I, we were before we were recording. We were kind of talking about, um, you know, in terms of prevention versus crisis. Yeah. You know, the duration of time it takes right now to yes. even if you do, maybe you're not all the way into crisis, but you know something's not right. I mean, it takes a long time to see any therapist. Yeah. Um, what What can you share with us about what's going on with that? So you know. <clears throat> Again, you know, that was a conversation that that I had just just last night on a panel. It's, you know, we're catching up. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the biggest issues is that, you know, we we need more therapists than we have licensed and credentialed right now. Yeah. Takes time, you know, to. to (laughs) Um, But here are a few, you know, here are a few things that I think, you know, they're not necessarily like permanent solutions, but like in the interim. While we're waiting on the catch up, you know, you can always go to. Better help, you know, um, that's a good one. Uh, I believe it's talk. Is it talk space or talk therapy or something like the, that? On, like the app? Yeah. I think well, it's there's talk space. Yeah. Um, there's also, you know, um, I just learned last last night that um, the Chamber of Commerce here um, they just partnered with a group um, that offers discounted um, telehealth mental health services. Oh wow. And um, which is amazing. And I think that, you know, while telehealth is not ideal, right, in the most crisis of situations, I do think that it's a starting point. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, that could possibly hold someone over until they can actually get in the office to see someone. Yeah. So I think that that's a potential solution that maybe, you know, we just start pointing people into those directions um, and getting them to see someone virtually um, just so that they can talk. Because I think sometimes initially people don't even know what to call it. Yeah. You know, but they but they need to just get it out there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, so how does it feel? Like, when did you realize you stepped into this role? Like, you know, I mean, because wow. you because you are now taking on I mean, you're you're it for a yeah. lot of people. It's like they're yeah. going to associate you with this. So, like, when did yeah. you realize that? And and also to follow up with that is like, what what do you feel like is next for you in this role? Um, I love the next question. <laughs> um, so it's wow. When I when I talk about like how I actually got into this, um, I didn't choose it. You know, it, it chose me, mm-hmm. which is why I am so much a believer in just divine happenings. Um, like whatever a person believes in, just knowing that there is like there is something greater and higher that is like kind of pushing you to, you know, where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing. And I definitely um, think that when, gosh, when I got on stage at Activists and Agitators for YWCA and I, this is the first like major keynote speaking that I had ever done. And there's like a room full of like 700, 800 people that paid to come hear me talk. I think that that was what kind of said, oh, crap, this is you've done it now. Like you like it's <laughs> the ball is rolling, you know, and um, I think that very quickly I moved from advocate to activism mm-hmm. where now I'm actually starting to have conversations um governmental wise, you know, with accessibility and, you know, just connecting with individuals who are in that space. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, just that, that at that particular time and point, and then also, you know, in my new book, I talk very openly about being on the closet floor, crying for hours, you know, I had another breakdown, um, due to COVID and some other personal things. And, um, Knowing somewhere in the back of my mind that like this is going to take me to some other place that like if I can get out of this, look out. Mm -hmm. That's I think that that in my mind, because I had that prior experience to getting out of it, that I had that to lean on. And so, um, you know, that that was that moment, too, where I was like, oh, wow, like the trajectory is going to be is going to be huge. And um I, once I started getting well, you know, I started working on pinning this third book. And, um, you know, I think now because I've written the three books, I, I love being an author. I do. I am the type of author that pours out my heart and my soul. So at this particular time, after writing this third book, it's almost like I need to be refilled. Yeah. Refueled. Because I did what I was supposed to do, which was completely empty myself out. And so now it's time for me to take a little break and um, live. Mm -hmm. And also, um, you know, I want to get more into the creative space of, you know, mental health advocacy and activism, you know, by creating. um, So the the subtitle of the book is Becoming Your Own Safe Space. Mm -hmm. But what I would like to do is I would like to help people identify the items that they want in their home, in their spaces to make them feel safe and to kind of like create that with them. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's a, it's a work in progress um, and also ever evolving, definitely going to be doing a lot more speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. 
Oh my gosh. I just, we need, we need you. I mean, oh, I hope you feel you. that. Like I'm yeah, sure you, I do. I'm sure you have felt it, but I um, do. And it's, I think there's a lot to be said when you are willing to empty everything out because that, yeah. that is what people relate to. And I'm sure that's what happened at that YWCA event is, yeah. you know, it's like, she gets me. She yeah. is talking to me. And, um, so you gotta, you gotta keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't plan on being quiet. That's yeah. that's for sure. Oh my gosh! So a little bit. I want to. I want to talk more about you because yeah. you just you have so many layers and you're just fascinating. But um, <laughs> how through all of this do you keep yourself grounded? Wow. Um, I mean, I do all the things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like she's going to tell us her secrets. How do we yeah, do this? <laughs> I mean, I, I do. I do all the things. Um, you know. So every single morning. I do make time for myself. Um, I don't care what time I go to bed. I am going to get up at least 30 to 45 minutes earlier than everyone else in my house. Mm -hmm. I need my warm cup of coffee and my blanket. And I need to just go watch something that I want to watch on television. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not anything super like, I don't know. I, I don't want to use the word mindful, but like it is for me because like it's my thing. Mm -hmm. So like I just go and hang by myself and kind of get my thoughts together. I look at my schedule for the day, um, which on the flip side, another thing that I really do to help me stay grounded in, in the present moment is that I rarely look at my schedule like for days out. Mm -hmm. Like I am focused on the schedule that for that day. Because I will start to get anxious and like, you know, and it with my brain, I need to stay present. The only time I will break that rule is if someone says, hey, are you busy on such and such date? I will check the date and then say yay or nay. But when I am just hanging out, I do not check my calendar for the next day, the next day, the next day. I do not know my schedule until the morning that I am up drinking my coffee. And I'm like, oh. I have a podcast today. Great. Because I know that it's on my schedule and I won't forget. I know that I put it there yeah. so I can trust myself yeah. to do that. Another thing that has been amazingly helpful is finding the type of exercise that I actually enjoy. Um, you know, I know I'm no, you know, it's no secret. I've had a very complex relationship with body image and with exercise and movement in general. So finding something that I love has been so phenomenal right and and i do that on a regular basis as well um what else did i did i find that i really loved um well i travel yeah i have been so busy i'm i've busy couple weeks but i'm getting out of town um in a week or so just for a couple days just to have a change of scenery and be by the water mm -hmm. um to just kind of ground me again mm -hmm. Um, so I think taking time for yourself, ultimately, whether you get to travel or you stay home and do a staycation, I think just finding those little bitty moments within the day to ground yourself and to make time for yourself to move in a way that you enjoy. Um, my girlfriend time. Yeah. Yeah. My tribe, yeah. like getting with my girlfriends. It's a major part of it. Yeah. Um, and. Hmm. <laughs> I know we tried to tell people to stay off of their phone. Oh my gosh. I don't want to be giving <laughs> bad advice, but like, I'll just, I'll be honest with you. I mean, this is what I do. Um, 
I have this app on my phone. It's called Happy Color. And I mean, for whatever reason, I have a, a bunch of coloring books, but I prefer my app. And That's I think so it's cool. because I'm a visual person. So like I get to see like this mosaic, like whole gallery of things that I've done. And there's hundreds of pictures that I've colored and you color by number. And it's so cool. And so like I'll sit there and I'll watch like my show or just I'll veg out like just my kids are like doing whatever they're doing at their practices. And I'll just like sit there and just like color. And it calms me so much. So I would tell anybody like if you're looking for something, you know, some people get very nervous and um, like frazzled when they color somebody told me that they get stressed not, not me with that app anymore mm-hmm. because it, it's going to be in the lines yeah. so you don't have to worry about <laughs> yeah, it's it. going to be it's in like, the lines for all of us recovering perfectionists <laughs> out there like oh why am i coloring with this and it's out of the lines that was me too so yeah. like now it's in the lines always oh, but um cool. yeah i mean those are just you know some some of the things that i do i love it those are like super tactical and very doable like yeah. people i mean even yeah. just grabbing one of those I started a couple years ago getting up earlier mm-hmm. and it was a big thing for me because um prior to that I felt like I was like hitting snooze I was then waking up really late and then me putting my anxiety on everybody else right like I'm like barking at my kids everybody's <laughs> like and I was like oh my gosh I just created this whole chaotic mess yeah. like I just had that feeling like everybody would leave and I'm like I feel terrible like, yeah so I my dog I have to thank because he went through this I mean, like, I think there was something else going on because he all of a sudden would get up at like five and not like just go back to bed, oh, like wow. stay, like at my face. And I'm like, OK, you know what? I'm just going to start getting up with yeah. you. And it, the hour that I had like to myself is magic. The quiet and the stillness in my own house, knowing everybody's there, everybody's OK. But then I get my own time. It's it, it, it it's has a beautiful thing. It is. And it's like yeah. so easy to do. You just mm-hmm. have to commit to doing it. Um, all right. So you strike me as a really confident woman, mm-hmm. um, which I love to see. Mm-hmm. How do you control fear in your life? Like even when you said like, OK, I'm being called to do this. I know I am. Mm-hmm. And it's scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like how am I how do you control that? How do you embrace that? I mean, I think, you know, <laughs> The acronym for, you know, my my blog, you know, the first word fearless, you know, I don't I don't think that there's a person alive, you know, that's that's fearless. Mm -hmm. Right. The way that I see that word, though, is that we we're not fearless or without fear, but we fear less. And I think that basically to me, that means that, like, you have courage, you're brave, you're scared, you do it anyway. And the image that I always um put in my mind whenever I'm being called upon to do something that is very new and very scary is Tarzan. And, and he, you know, in order for the next vine to appear, he had to jump off of the vine that he was on. And so it's Tarzan like faith, Mm -hmm. if you will. It's less about fear and more about just having the faith that like someone or something is going to be there to catch you yeah. and having that belief. Um, and also knowing, you know, within yourself that you've always within yourself, even if you haven't felt safe, you've always been there to have your own back. Like no matter what, 
no matter who's disappointed you, failed you, whatever the case, you have always had your back. You've always been there for yourself. Like it's just, it's been you. Yeah. And so knowing and having that confidence that, you know what, if something goes wrong, I've got me. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what propelled me to just, because, you know, if you don't jump. Yeah. Then you you're don't just going to stay mm -hmm. and you're and you're going to always wonder, you know, yeah. and you know that what's behind you, you've already conquered and, you know, it's familiar. And of course, you could go back there, but there's no growth. Yeah. So if you want growth and you want to um, see change in your life, you've got to have that Tarzan like faith and just jump off the vine you're on midair. The next vine will appear. Yeah. Yeah. I love that visual. I love that visual. So what inspires you? <laughs> I know. This is a hard question. <laughs> there are so many things. Um, hmm. My kids. My kids inspire me. Um, you know, I told my son on Friday night, this past Friday night, that I told him thank you for being my mirror because he was the one that actually got me into therapy just by um, me acting a certain way towards him and treating him in a way that I had been treated as a kid. I recognized that it was very unhealthy and I recognized that, you know, by his actions, you know, he didn't just lay down and take it. He was three, but he like protected himself and he started to alienate himself from me. And it was a true wake up call. And so I think that my children, like seeing them in their element and being who they are and being so free, it inspires me and encourages me to keep going and to keep doing the work that I'm doing personally and professionally, because I know that one, I'm making their world and my home a better place. But also when they go into the outside world, the little bit that I'm doing is going to help make it better for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, every day I look at them and I'm inspired. Yeah, I I um, I think there's a lot to be said that you can have that inspiration every day. You yeah. know, I think sometimes people feel like it's this big lofty thing that you can't touch right. or feel or see. Um, but that's very real. And it's, yeah. um, and for you to say thank you to your son, I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's super yeah. powerful. I feel like as grownups, I've learned, um, again, through therapy that, you know, us trying to have it all put together and we've got, you know, we know what we're doing and yep. it does not help our kids, you know, and even when we do have the struggles, like they aren't often seeing those. And so to share some of those or to let them in it helps them understand like, okay, you're human. Like you're not perfect. And God, I mean, no, we're not perfect. So don't <laughs> be walking around thinking we are right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's really awesome that you, you said that to him. Yeah. I mean, you know, really quickly here. Um, my, so my daughter and I, perfect example of what you just shared about like apologizing to your kids and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Like my daughter, um, and I like she was she was having, you know, a very tough time a few weeks ago and and everything in me as her mother. I mean, I'm advocate for mental health. I know what anxiety looks like. She's having a panic attack. I am like 
oh, I just want this to be over. Calm down, you know? Mm -hmm. And I lost it a little bit. And I'm not afraid to, you know, admit that I did because I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't always respond the right way. And so the important part is how you fix it and how you repair that. And so I could tell that it like really disturbed her, that I was just like not being as patient as I probably should have been in that moment. And I circled back with her and I said, hey, I was like, Arden, I just want to tell you that I'm really sorry with how I reacted. I said, I think you really needed me to respond. I said, but instead I reacted. And I said, and you know, there's a difference. And I said, and I'm trying to get better with that. I said, but I do want to tell you that, you know, as your mother, it's so hard for me to look at you as this just beautiful creature that has been gifted to me and to to see you not see yourself in the way that we see you. Yeah. I said, that hurts me so bad as your mom because you are the most awesome human. And I said, so I'm sorry that I reacted. I said, but it just makes me angry with not you, but just everything in the world that's making you feel the way you feel. Mm-hmm. And I said, and that's what you hear is that frustration. It's not ever anger towards you. And she was just like, oh, wow. She's like, thank you, mom. And, you know, she, we had a little teary moment. Yeah, for sure. You know, with the both of us. Yeah. Um, and I just think that that is an important type of a moment to be able to have with your son and or daughter, mm-hmm. you know, um, to be able to admit, like, I, I, I made a mistake. I failed you in this area, but, you know, I'm going to get better. Right. Yeah. It's, there's so many, so many lessons in that for them. Yeah. So many. Um, I heard you do a speech and you talk about react and response. So just yeah. walk us through that a little bit because it is very yeah. true. And I think a lot of times we are in react mode. Oh, yeah. Not in response. Yeah. Um, I mean, for sure. I I lived in react mode. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, you know, fight or flight is a, you know, it's like that reactivity. Um, but I've learned through therapy and just like in my life circumstances that you will have a better outcome if you just sit back, take a breath, you know, maybe get curious and ask one more question before you like jump the gun. Um, you'll get a better response or result from the conversation and a better outcome if you just learn to do that as opposed to just being very reactive. And because sometimes reactivity is fine if it's like you're in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, you need that quick response. Right. It's in us for that. It's in us yeah. for that. Yeah. Responsiveness is more contemplated and calculated. And um, and you have to sit with it for a second and you have to think before you speak. And so I think if we stay in that space, I think that we'll say a lot less <laughs> of the things that hurt people and damage people. And I only know that by experience, by hurting my husband's feelings, hurting my children's feelings, you know, mm-hmm. and different people in my life by being so reactive. So I think that we all need to just remind ourselves like, okay, am I being reactive right now or am I responding? And if you could just ask yourself that question in that moment that you take to ask that question, it should calm you and center you. Mm-hmm. I love that. 
Um, well, that's my next question: is uh, reset and recentering. Like how yeah. how do you how do you do that? How do you find your reset when you need to? Oh well, you know, okay. Uh, just about a couple weeks ago, and I, you know, and I, I say I'm gonna say this as a disclaimer, like. I, I am very grateful that I am blessed and in a situation where like if in two weeks, like if I want to take a little trip, I'm, you know, I can, yeah. you know, because I work for myself and I have that availability. So please just know when you're listening, like I understand that not everybody has that flexibility. Um, but for me, I, I recognized a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at my, <laughs> I had to look at my calendar because I was being asked <laughs> to do something. And so I looked and I was just like, wow, like I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to, you know, set a boundary here. Not going to work over the summer. I said, I've spent so much time like putting effort into this book. And, you know, and I made the decision that like for two days after Arden gets out of school and I, you know, finish my commitments for the month of May, I'm out to the beach for a couple days. Because what I can see in with me is that I start to get snappy mm-hmm. and and tired. And that's not a good space. Because then also, you know, I stop like doing the things that I need to do to take care of myself, which then means my immune system can get low and then I don't need to be sick. So it's like a kind of like a domino effect. If I don't do one, it impacts everything else. So I think when I just start to notice these things that are like, Ooh, I'm a little tired. Ooh, I want to just lay in bed all day or whatever the case. And that's when I'm like, Oh, it's, it's time. time. It's time. Yep. Like, and I think that in therapy, honestly, they, you know, when you are being taught towards the end, you know, of like a major episode they will say, okay, what's your prevention plan? Or like, what's your recovery plan? Um, And so I have it like written, like out, like this is what I need to do. It's so much in my brain now that where I don't even need to look at it, but that's one of the things that like, if I start to feel any of the tiredness or anything like that, I don't even let it go any further. Mm -hmm. You know, I like today, for example, like extremely tired, but there was something like later on that I knew that like I can, I could move around so that I could have a little bit of rest. You know, you think about the things that are must do's and that you have to, and things that you gave your word to, and then you do those. And then if there are other things that you maybe want to do mm-hmm. or that could wait, you kind of like try to move those around so that you can have an hour or two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's knowing yourself. I, a friend of mine, I just shared this with a group of um, realtors too, but a friend of mine was saying like, um, you know, we all juggle a lot of balls, right? So you have to take the time to identify like which ones are plastic and which ones are glass. I love that. Right? And so the plastic ones are going to drop and it's fine. Like they're going to bounce and it's not a big deal, but the glass ones aren't. And so going through that exercise and being honest with yourself, but then also identifying like, are there some glass ones that really are plastic, right? Mm, yeah. Like really just, but it takes, it takes time and it takes honesty with yourself to identify those. But I think once you do, like what you're saying is like, you know, immediately when you're starting to feel oh, that yeah. way. And that's because you have practiced it. Yeah. You're a student of it. Yeah. And you're doing it. Like yeah. you're not ignoring it, which I think right. those are, those are really important things. Cause I think so many times, like we're taught to just push through, push through, push through, um, you know, not that we have to go into this, but like 
you know, what we're seeing with collegiate athletes and the pressure that they're putting on themselves and taking their own lives. It's just one example of what's going on. But that stuff, it's like, no, it's okay. You're not feeling good. Like, that's okay. Like, yeah. it is not worth it all, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I just love that, like, you have learned that as a patient. You're a student of it. You're doing it, and it's, it's working. Oh, I mean, it's, with, it works. Yeah, with, yeah. Without a doubt, it's, it's working. It works. Um, you know, and, and if you're new to it, I think what helped me was actually like writing it out. You know, if you don't, if you're not an old school kind of writing person, you can always type it in your phone and just, you know, like separate like your, your task or your to-do list into those categories. Like, this is like what I must do. Those are the glass yep, balls, the glass ones, the yep. must do's. Yep. And everybody's must do's are going to be different, right? Um, and then you, you know, um, maybe like uh, <laughs> must do's, and then like what I need to do, but it could wait. Mm-hmm. And then you've got like what I want to do. And those are definitely plastic. Yeah. I think what I find the most difficulty with is the need to, but it can wait. Right. Because like knowing the ones that knowing can wait. The, yeah. Knowing the ones emergency. that it's, it, yeah, that's not an emergency because really, and that's where I think, you know, true honesty within ourselves. And then also like having someone that you can bounce it off of, that's going to be honest with you and say, No. That is not that you don't have to do that. Yes. That is not a I know you need to. I know you feel like you need to you need to organize your closet. I get it. But does it have to be done today? Right. And so I think you need those people or that accountability to say, oh, no, you know, it's definitely not a glass ball. It can definitely be moved over a category. Yeah. And so um, it does work. Write it down. Um, I think that, you know, that's also, you know, a great way to um, a great strategy for people who have overthinking in their brain um, and you get overwhelmed. What I've learned to do is like when I start having overwhelming thoughts or racing thoughts, I'll just get out my phone and I'll just in my notes, I'll just start typing every every word, every thought that comes to mind. And, you know, before you know it, I mean, you'll see that there's probably only like five to seven like different ones but every other one in between is like the hamster wheel of like or spaghetti noodle connected to the other one that's like really saying the same thing but in a different way mm-hmm. so it's really not as overwhelming as we probably think it is once we write it down yeah so that's just it's been helpful for me yeah i love that plus it's i think anytime you take a thought and have to write it down there's that pause too, like yeah. that, you know, yep. transfer from brain to paper. 100%. Yeah. So, okay. Um, you juggle a lot. You are I a mom, <laughs> you're a wife, yeah. you're a friend, you know, you're an advocate, you're an yeah. activist. How do you, I mean, for people that are listening that can relate to that juggle and it's like, how does she do what she does? Like, how do you handle and manage the juggle? Um, I delegate. I mean, I think the you found which ones are plastic. Yeah, and you don't have to do them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I delegate. I mean, you know, I used to give myself, you know, honestly, um, for all the the listeners out there that are that are moms and um, 
you know, you feel like, oh, you know, I've, I've got to be the one to like cook the dinner. I've got to be the one to do all the laundry. Like I used to give myself such a hard time um, because I didn't want to hire anyone to help me with certain things, even though I may have had like the extra resources to do it. And I was just like, no, no sense of pride. I don't work outside the home. This is my responsibility because a lot of it is, that's how I grew up. That's what I saw. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it takes a couple breakdowns really. And I'm trying to save people from getting to that point. You know, that, um, if I delegated earlier, it probably wouldn't have been like as severe. So I would just say, you know, delegate and find the things that you absolutely like hate doing. And that are the, the biggest, uh, time consumers. For me, I absolutely don't mind putting clothes in the washer and drying them, but the folding and putting away is a doozy. Mm -hmm. I would just live out of a laundry basket for most of the time, you know, and I've always been that way. Mm -hmm. So I found a laundry service that comes and picks it up, drops it off, and you just put it away. Yeah. Game changer. I know. So... I'm getting, I, I'm getting that number. Yeah, right I mean, I, I I I delegated that out. You know, I have somebody to help me clean the house. Um, cooking, I actually love to do because it's very therapeutic. Um, and, you know, so you just find those things. But I think delegating is just the most amazing thing you could do. Get your kids involved. Yeah. My kids are 11 and 14. They used to not wash dishes, but now, like... We're not doing them. Me and my husband, Michael, we're not doing the dishes. Like, you guys are doing the dishes. You guys mostly made them anyway. Right. So, oh, my gosh. All the bowls. Yeah. And cups. Yeah. Totally. That come down from their room when you ask them to clean their room. It's just like, oh, that's where that cup was. Yeah. So, you know, again, like, I just, I have, they're involved. I'm not going to clean their room. They're going to clean their room. So there's just different, you know, things like that, that I'm just, you know, also with my social media, you know, it's a, it's a beast Um, Social media is any entrepreneur or business person knows that, but it's a necessary beast. Totally. And so I have found, you know, it worthwhile to um, hire someone to help me manage my social media accounts because I just I can't do it all. Yeah. You know, and so that's been helpful, too. That's awesome. There is a lot of empowerment in delegating and just trusting. Yeah, who it's you're a power move, to. right? Yeah, and well, it doesn't mean that you're. It doesn't. It's not. It's not a um, self worth badge, right? Right. Like, it's smart. Right. To right. finally say, right, I can't do all of this. Right. And, and there are people around me who can. Like, yeah. um, my boys are learning how to do laundry this summer. Yeah. Oh, it's I would. Yeah. The list. Yeah, I actually uh, <laughs> told my kids that because for the longest time, you know, they've been sending their clothes with ours. I'm like, hmm, what are y'all gonna do when you go to college? Mm-hmm. Probably need to start yeah. working on. I'm like, you know? we'll just see. It'll be a fun project because I think honestly. It's uh, the whole awareness thing. It's like maybe you won't wear that sweatshirt for 10 minutes and then throw it into the laundry because you're going to have to wash it now. So we'll 100%. see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. We'll see. Let me I'll know how that update. goes. I'll give you an update. Um, okay. <laughs> I always do a quick fire at the end. But before we do that, um, you know, just to summarize, if there is a story on this journey that you've been on or a moment or a person that kind of summarizes why you're doing what you're doing and why you know this is what you're supposed to be doing, if you can share that with us. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's kind of like a collection of people, you know, just over the years, like I've collected stories, you know, from people that have been helped. But I'll tell you this story. 
After speaking at the YWCA event, a woman comes up to me and she says, are you the one that wrote this book? And at the time it was Be Free Be You. And I said, yeah, I am. She said, well, I just, you know, I want to tell you that, you know, I'm a server here, but I really listened to what you were saying. And she said, I um, am going to um, (laughs) go home and take control over my house. And she started telling me, you know, some of the horrible things that were happening in her home. And she says, and I was going to go to the hospital tonight. And she says, and I was just going to go get hooked up on an IV just so that I could sleep. And she says, but now after hearing you talk about putting your own oxygen mask on first, she says, I'm going to go home. This is me putting my oxygen mask on and I am kicking out the people in my house that have disturbed and disrupted my peace. I'm not going to the hospital to get an IV and I'm going to sleep in my own house and I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to buy my daughter a plane ticket to get, go back to where she came from because I am putting myself first. And when she said that to me and I, for whatever reason, the oxygen mask thing resonated with her that she did not go to the hospital to get unnecessary drugs, that was when I said, I'm doing the right thing. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, here's the deal is you, you're impacting people with every conversation. And I mean, you might never know all of that, but um, you are, you're a gift and Thank I appreciate you. you doing this with us. Thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to listen to you. Oh. And I just, I, I just, I really do. I'm a huge fan and I hope, I mean, we need you like as a, as a fellow mom, Yeah. like Thank taking you. care of ourselves yeah. to be present for our kids. Yep. We need you. There's Thank not you. enough, there's not enough Ikea's, right? <laughs> there's really only one Ikea as we oh, all know. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So I always like to end a little light on the quick fire. So okay. whatever comes to mind first, um, just shout it out. So where is your favorite place to relax and unwind? Oh, California. Okay. <laughs> favorite date night? Ooh, uh, Del- uh, um, Delmar. Okay. Like mm-hmm. that. Delmar gets, uh, they get, they get a good shout outs on these. Um, favorite place to grab coffee? Stoffs in Grandview. Uh, yeah. It's, it is so, it's so old school and it's so great. I it, hope it, it never is. changes. Yeah. Um, Favorite Columbus restaurant? I know this can be hard. You can throw out a couple. Some people get stuck yeah, on this. Yeah, man. Um, wow. The Pearl in Dublin. I love the food, especially the brunch, but the ambiance is just so amazing. So I would have to say there. Yeah, that's great. That whole Bridge Park area yeah, is just awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. All right. Your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, um, I would have to say... California. Yeah. I'm just a California girl. And I think anywhere in California too. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's calming. Yeah. Like, as soon I'm as a West Coast. That, I'm yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite saying or a favorite song? Oh, Roar by Katy Perry. Oh, that's so good. That's Fa- so good. Favorite song. I mean, that's like my, my anthem. I'm totally listening to that when we finish. Yeah. This. That's so good. All right. Before we sign off, where can we find you? What is your Instagram? Yep. Mm-hmm. So primarily I am on Instagram at Akia Red. Um, should you want to, you know, keep in touch further, um, you can go to AkiaRed.com and sign up for the uh, newsletter. We get send, all, send out all of the information. I'm also on LinkedIn as Akia Red. So, uh, yeah, I'm around. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Thank you so much. This was 
so wonderful and I appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate being here. Thank you. For more information and additional content, follow me on Instagram at Kim Mills Group, as well as LinkedIn. Share, subscribe, engage. I would love to hear from you.